the Irish Times Inside Business podcast in association with Davy. It's amazing what you discover when you really listen. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. My guests this week are Galway-based chef and restaurant owner JP McMahon and Des O'Dowd, owner of the Inchidoni Island Lodge and Spa in West Cork. They'll be talking you through their plans to reopen on June 29 as per the government's roadmap for reopening the economy. And they'll be giving me their views on the guidelines issued this week by Falter Ireland on the measures the hospitality trade should take on reopening their businesses. Those guidelines include staff wearing masks, menus potentially being read out to customers, no sharing plates, no buffets, no salt and pepper on the table, no mini bars and rooms, room service to be left at the door, restrictions on swimming pools and no touch treatments in spas. But perhaps most importantly, restaurants and hotels are being asked to observe two metre physical distancing, which will drastically reduce the number of customers that they can host. Now, JP McMahon, you have three restaurants, Anir, which has a Michelin star, Cafe Bodega, which is Spanish tapas, and you have your Tartar Cafe and Wine Bar. I saw you tweeting that with two metres social distancing, you'll be able to open one of those, but with just one metre, as has been recommended by the WHO, two would certainly open and possibly all three in time. So how are you feeling about these Falcha Ireland guidelines, particularly around the two metre physical distancing move? No, I suppose I feel a bit sad and frustrated about the guidelines. I had hoped they would bring clarity and i feel that there is uh, there's more ambiguity now with regard to where and where the where the waiter can stand uh, does he have to be two meters from the table um can you share your food and these are things that i've, I've put to the rei and they're seeking clarifications on them so i and the, and the main one is is this two meter rule which i really feel is um is not workable it's it's um it's 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 asking too much and also there isn't uh, there isn't enough scientific evidence um and i have i have read around on it that to 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 i suppose to to warrant it and i think with one i want to be safe and i want our customers to be happy but i think at one we have a happy medium where we are controlling things we're being safe and at the same time we're going to give businesses a chance to to succeed JP, just tell me a little bit about your businesses. How many staff do you employ across the three restaurants? And how much have you lost as a result of being shuttered for the past three months or so in terms of revenue? Um, well, uh, at the at the height of, of the three restaurants, um, which would probably be last summer, I mean, because we, 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 we would have had 45 staff. So I don't know if we had 37 just before COVID um, came along. We currently have 12. With um, We have a takeaway model in Cava and Tartar which is taking in about one-sixth of, of what, what we were able to do. Now, there is the COVID payments that is assisting us. So without that COVID payment, it's important for people to realise there would absolutely be no restaurants whatsoever. The government are paying 75%. Uh, we are taking in like €500 Euro a day in, in Tartar for uh, for three or four staff. They're, like it's, it's not viable whatsoever. So as long as that payment continues, we, we, are, we are going to be all right. I mean, I suppose we have, we've kind of lost everything in, in, to a certain degree. It's 12 years work. The, the three restaurants, they all closed in March. We, have, um, we, we own the building in Cava, so we have a mortgage there. We, we have two leases on the other ones, which we have got 50% off because our, we, we have, we, we're lucky to have good landlords. And uh, that's not the case for many of my friends who are restaurateurs, both in Ireland and England. Um, but it, it, essentially, everything has just stopped. We owe money to the revenue. We owe money to a lot of our suppliers. And to get back going is, is going to be difficult. I mean, it's uh, many people think that you can just turn off all the lights 
and then walk out and then go back in three months later. But it's not the case. I mean, stuff breaks. You got to go back in, turn everything on, make sure it works. You have to rehire people. And that's probably one of the difficulties with these guidelines is that, like, how many people are we going to need? With two meters socially distant, with two meters, we're, we're probably not going to need a whole lot more staff. But one, we probably need 10 more staff. I mean, do we hire them? Do we take people off the COVID payment? Uh, can we guarantee them work? Because once we take people off the COVID payment, they can't get it back. And I, I'm, I'm quite uh, unwilling to take people off it because if they can get it to August and it, and, and it helps them, I'd rather not um, interfere with that. But um, we've already taken some people off. And, and I, I do, I, I need to be able to assure the, that they have, um, they have full-time work. On a practical level, JP, have you managed to figure out whether your chefs will be required to wear face masks when they're cooking food? Uh, not yet, no. And we have we have three chefs in the Cava kitchen, and we practice, I suppose, as much social social distancing as we can. It's a small kitchen. I mean, Irish buildings and restaurants, and even our footpaths are not built for social distancing. We have to remember that it's just like a, an anomaly. I mean, if, if, I think it's, I, I run quite a bit, and the average the average Irish footpath is about three foot wide. Um, and uh, then you have to walk on the road. So it's it's like we haven't even thought about these things. But in the kitchen, um, I mean, of course, the chefs, there's no handshaking. They're, they're in their own areas. But no, we're not wearing masks. I mean, uh, it's not um, it's not clear whether they, they do anything. Um, and uh, we are, I suppose, practicing good hygiene. I mean, I suppose there's an important thing to, 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 to note is that restaurants have always practiced good hygiene or good restaurants. I mean, we have a very high level of hygiene. We've always had alcohol gel in the restaurant for 12 years. We've, we've had all these things. And uh, that's another thing I take umbrage with the document that came out and um, these guidelines. Uh, it's cleaning every 20 minutes. I mean, we do these things. And so for me to be told these things, of course, it's, it's good to put them out. But if someone is to read that document from the public, you'd imagine restaurants were dirty places. And like for me, a restaurant is a very safe place. It's very different from an airplane, uh, from a bus, from a train. And while we, we have to interact, chefs have to hand each other things. I mean, it's the same on, on in a construction site. It, there can't be this 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 breakdown. The, it's, um, it, it's, just, it's just a minefield and it, it is a difficult thing to unravel. Desert Out, you own Inchidoni Island Lodge and Spa. It's a place where people go for a, a bit of luxury and to unwind. Yet, if you look at the guidelines from Falch Ireland, they're talking about no-touch treatments in the spa, restrictions on swimming pool times. You might have to book. There'll be no sitting around the pool. People will be encouraged to change in their own rooms. There'll be no minibars. Room service will be left outside the door. Staff will have to wear face masks and so forth. It doesn't sound too luxurious. Well, I suppose... First, first thing is is that a lot of those are, are guidelines, and that I would be saying that if you can make appropriate, safe, alternative, you know, procedures and protocols in place, then then I think that's appropriate. For us, we will be trying to make it as normal as possible for people. So uh, at the moment, I know when I go to supermarkets, I see signs and on the walls, on the ground, everywhere, but I don't think anyone's really reading them or paying much attention to them. So. I think by the time, three weeks' time when we open, uh, we'd be trying to manage people by, you know, having hosts at the door, by contacting people in advance to explain how the stay is going to work, rather than handing them pieces of paper or putting signs on the wall. So we'll try and make it as luxurious as we can. I think we will, you know, depending on people's capacity of hotels, you may have to make reservations for dinners and breakfasts. I think we probably will do that at the start and see, you know, how that how that runs. But we'll be trying to 
get it as normal as possible as quickly as possible. Des, am I right in saying that you're not going to be observing the two metre physical distancing rule, that in fact you're going to go with one metre? Um, I suppose we're anticipating that it's going to move from two metres to one metre. I wouldn't say that we're uh, that, that, that we're going to ignore uh, government guidelines. The conversation, it's a, it's a little bit confusing, as JP said there. We had Simon Harris uh, coming out the other day saying that they're looking into it and making sounds as if they're going to change it. And if they change it before we open, then we need to plan uh, accordingly. And if they don't change it, you go with the two metres? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We won't be, we won't be. Um, it, I know it's supposed to be a, a guideline, but we won't be going against government guidelines. To me, common sense would indicate that it, one meter is is workable and will do. In our main public bar restaurant, we would normally seat ninety eight people with one meter. We lose about a third of that capacity. If we're down to two meters, you know, we're down to maybe twenty five, twenty four, twenty six people. And that really makes it difficult for us because, you know, we're going to struggle to feed all the people who are residents in the hotel at that kind of level. So then we're going to, not only is it not viable to open the restaurant, but you're kind of saying, well, we can't sell the bedrooms either. So it's really important for us to get down to that uh, that one metre. And in terms of the guidelines around spas and swimming pools, how is that going to impact on your business? Again, very difficult. The pool is is. You know, we're always managing capacity there anyway. So, we, you know, from a safety point of view, you can't just have unlimited amounts of people in the pool anyway. I think the change room is probably the, the, the bottleneck there. So we're going to look at how we manage that, you know, having people changing in their rooms, as you mentioned. But I suppose we have asked for some clarity yesterday and we haven't received it yet. So I think these are still being worked through, the details of things being worked through as people uh, saw them for the first time yesterday. Des, explain the hit to your business from COVID. Since the closure in March, how has it impacted on Inchidani in terms of staff numbers and in terms of revenues? So in March, when we closed, we the weekend before, we had paid 170-odd people. Um, we put 130 of those on uh, temporary layoff and we managed to continue paying 41 or 42. Um it's, I suppose it's, it's devastating is the, the only word for it. Um, we have, you know, nearly all the management team are there, you know, 15 or 20 years. We have 26 families represented where there's more than one person from a family working in the hotel. So, you know, multi-generational, you know, really, I, you know, I would feel that we're a strong part of the community. Um, and it's, it's, you know, yeah, it's devastating. We, you know, 2008, 2009 was tough for us. You know, we business continued in rural Ireland to, to deteriorate really until 2014, 2015. We started to see a recovery. Um, and, you know, this is, you know, it, and, and with, with Brexit coming down the tracks in, you know, six months time that we've all kind of nearly forgotten about. This is really, really a tough time. At Davy, we know uncharted territory can be a challenge. We've been in business since 1926, and since then, we've advised many different clients through many global and national crises. Some will seek comfort in the safe and familiar, while others will embrace the opportunity to try something new. Throughout the years, we've not only listened to our clients, we've got to know you personally, helping us advise you on a financial life plan that suits you best. Davy, it's not just business. It's personal. Janie Davy 
Trading as Davy is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. We take our responsibilities personally. JP, uh, no sharing plates, I think, is one of the guidelines that Falcha Ireland has recommended in relation to restaurants. And you, uh, one of your restaurants is a Spanish tapas bar. So how's that going to work? I mean, that's all about sharing plates, isn't it? That's our, like, I don't mean to be smiling, but that's our most successful business. <laughs> and that's, if anything's going to survive, if anything's going to get us out of this, it's Cava. I mean, Cava, uh, even though Anir is the internationally renowned uh, Michelin star restaurant, is Cava is the, the workhorse and Cava would uh, take in, I don't know, multiple, multiple times more than Anir would take in. And, and really, it's the only one that we would be able to be open. I, I did get a, a text from Adrian Cummins last night saying that they are they are um, uh, changing that to households can share. But my question is again: is that well, how are you going to know when people come to the door? Are you going to ask them? Are they all of the same household? Are you going to assume? Like I think we have to put a little bit of responsibility onto the customer. And again, this document that came out, um, while I do welcome guidelines, I think that responsibility needs to rely uh, on the customer as well. And in the same way with supermarkets, and, and Des mentioned the signs, I've been in supermarkets with aisles that are less than three feet wide with six with stickers that say, stay six foot apart from each other. And like, so I think we need to be realistic um, about this and we need to be practical. And if four people come in, uh, you have to assume that they are, they know each other, they're going to share food. There's no problem giving adequate spoons or, or anything, anything like that. If, if they don't want to, if they all want to, uh, they want to use the same spoon to put food on. I mean, I think that's quite that's quite uh, normal. But I, I have friends as well who who, who feed like fifteen hundred people a day. And another one of the guidelines is that all food must be plated in the kitchen. I mean, that's not possible if you're if you're working for Google or Facebook um, and you're feeding thousands of people every day. The, the model will have to change radically. And and you've two weeks to change it. Or, I mean, I suppose if they stay at home, you might have the summer to change it. But it, it is going to bring in a lot of extra cost. And the cost factor of um of uh, of these things are is still not is still not clear. And and that's why I'm I'm kind of like frustrated in the sense that do I do nothing now and wait and and or do I plan for one meter as Des was saying and just assume it's gonna be one meter, put the tables and chairs in that are gonna be one meter and leave it like that and wait for one meter. And because at the moment, I really not kind of planning on opening any of them at, uh, on, the tw- on the 29th, if nothing changes in the two weeks. I mean, the takeaway model will probably stay and we look towards opening Cava in, in July, but it's, it's, it's still, it's kind of, I, I just, I really don't know where I stand. Right. And tell me, have you had any um, bookings or people ringing you or, or contacting you by email um, looking to secure bookings, uh, wondering when you're going to reopen and wanting to be one of the first yeah, ones no, in? I mean, yeah, people are very confident. I'm, and um, July in Cava and in Anir, and Anir I, 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 is, the, again, the, I don't know what, what we're doing, with, but we have bookings for July and people are booking in, assuming. One customer said, actually, you will be open. It, it'll all work out grand. So I, I hope uh, it's their their optimism and yeah i mean people do want to get out i mean even myself i mean i love eating out in restaurants i love going to hotels and we've been three months without being even able to travel so i would like to go somewhere in ireland and, and to stay somewhere and so it's uh i think uh, hopefully we're able to we're able to manage these things and, and also i think that there's a kind of a, there's a there's a contradiction at the heart of this that you can already fly to italy now um and from the first of july you'll be able to fly to spain now, if you can fly to Spain, you should be able to go to your local pub or your local restaurant or your local hotel, because then what we're doing is we're actually 
sacrificing our own economy. And if people can fly out and go to Spain for a week, they should be able to to, to relax. And if they go to a country like Copenhagen or sorry, like Denmark, and there's one meter social distancing, but then we're actually putting our country at a disadvantage economically uh, to other countries. And so we have to. We we're Europeans. We really need to look to look to Europe as a whole and to see how we can resolve this and how we can get some sort of European guidelines that people will, will follow. Because at the end of the day, I still don't know if these government guidelines, are they enforceable? Is it going to be legislation or is it just going to be a guideline where you can actually do what you want anyway? And in that case, what's the point of the guideline? Uh, Des, just tell us a little bit about the demand for Inchidoni. I don't know how many inquiries you've had uh, in recent weeks as to when you're going to reopen and so on. Um, I, I guess everybody was presuming the summer was going to be a, a, just a complete dead spot in Ireland because of COVID. And the fact that we have this two-week quarantine rule for anybody who comes into the country, where, whether they're you know, somebody from overseas or whether it's an Irish person returning. Yeah, I suppose we would have an awful lot of domestic uh, tourism. Our business would predominantly be repeat and recommended business. So over the last couple of months, we've, I suppose, one thing that's helped keep us going is we've had fantastic messages of support from our customers saying they can't wait to get back. And that would be one of the, the highlights, I suppose, of the of the lockdown for us. So since uh, Leo made his announcement on Friday, the phones have been quite busy and self-catering, you know, booked out normally from year to year, booked out anyway. So an awful lot of demand for self-catering, but a lot of people looking to get away looking to spend quality time in Ireland with their families. Um, so, yeah, good demand. Um, I just, just to go back there, just on, on, the, on the guidelines, talking to, and, I, and I'm, uh, I'm sure JP is the same, talking to other hoteliers and restaurateurs and publicans, there's nobody is saying they're going to cut corners. There's nobody talking about doing anything except creating a safe environment for their staff and for their customers. I, I think everybody would be, horrified if we had another uh, an outbreak or a, a wave of a virus coming through the country so everybody is doing their best to, to create a really safe environment and a great you know great experiences for our guests the uncertainty is very difficult for us to, to, to plan and when you're talking about changing capacity by you know from 65 percent to 25 percent or you know those kind of things are, are big have big effects on, on a business yeah, sure. What about weddings, um, Des? Are they an important part of the mix for your business? And again, you know, we're we're looking at people being told to dance two meters apart and uh, no shared canapes and teas and coffees. Uh, you have to have a one-way system and it has to be served by staff and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, really, really difficult. Uh, it's probably not like we probably do 40 or 50 weddings a year, but there's a lot of hotels that rely on, you know, that, that would do 120, 150 weddings a year. And their businesses are being destroyed. And those businesses are typically, you know, owner-operated businesses. Um, very, very difficult. Uh, you know, you, your, your heart would really go out to them because even if you are, you know, getting, uh, if people are going to go ahead with a wedding in September, October, if, if we get some guidance on that, you're going to be talking about restricted numbers and you're going to be talking about uh, increased cost of operation. So very difficult uh, situation. JP, one of the issues around this, I suppose, is who's going to police it? Who's going to police these new rules? I, I don't know. Um, that's uh, one of the Even opening up the as a takeaway, I mean, we contacted the our, our health inspector and she sent out uh, some links and we read them and like no one has been in at all. No one has come in near the place. No one like in relation to check what we are doing. So, I mean, as Des said, like, and I would I would agree with him, 
like we take our business very, very seriously. And the last thing I want to do is have anyone get sick. So, I mean, I, I'm quite conscious of that. So we, we would do, we are professionals and we would always do what, what we need to do to make the environment the safest ever. But yeah, like, I mean, if, if we have these things who and who is going to enforce them, I, I really don't know. And um, just on the point of, 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 um, of additional costs, I mean, I, I think people look upon the restaurant industry as, as, a, as a, already as, as an expensive place. And I don't I think we have the possibilities of adding on the cost of two meter social distancing or even adding on the cost of one meter social distancing. And I think it's the way that we think about restaurants in Ireland, because when I look at construction and I heard some interviews with them, they said they will add on the cost of, of, of social distancing to the price of a house. And I suppose we, we accept that in Ireland as normal because we are orientated towards property as a people. But I, I just can't add 65% to the cost of a dish. And I feel that the model is, is, is being built for larger businesses and larger corporations. And if we look what businesses have been the most successful out of this um, pandemic, the likes of Amazon have, have just taken, uh, taken it away. And I, I would worry about um, small family owner operated businesses, and they're going to be the ones that will be hit the hardest. And, um, and also people in the, in the gig economy, all, all that is gone, uh, music and it's, it's uh, theater. So I, I would be, we'd be very concerned about these things. And I think we really need strong leadership from the government, from Fulcher Ireland, and we need like dialogue with the industry. We need to come out and say, what can we do? What is safe? But what is also economically viable? And then, and then everyone will get behind it. But there's no point in putting out guidelines where there has been no dialogue um, with, um, with, uh, with anyone in the industry. Of course, they've talked to various partners, but no one, like, no one rang me um, to say, what do you think of these? Uh, do you think it's workable? Or rang anyone. And um, like, it, it's really important that you try and get some sort of industry representatives to, to speak out and say, this is what's good. The same with the government. I, I really feel the government has, has kind of bypassed the, the people uh, or the industry. And like, I would have loved to have chat. I, I asked many, many times to talk to TDs, um, but like, it's, it's not possible and say like, do you, can you hear my concerns? But uh, it's, it, it, is, it, is, uh, it is difficult. Yeah, Des, what about prices at Inchidani? Michael O'Leary of Ryanair was suggesting uh, there a couple of weeks ago that prices would be going uh, down rather than up. And he said there'd be great value to be had from hotels and B&Bs and uh, so forth. Uh, what's, the, what's the experience going to be in Inchidani? Our pricing is, has stayed the same, Kieran. I think there is possibly we will see some hotels chasing after customers by using price. We haven't had anybody complaining about the prices being too high at all, I can tell you. Um, so we would always try to be given good value for money. I would be concerned, I think, in 2008, 2009, 2010, all those hotels that, you know, cut, the, cut their prices, they all, you know, changed ownership. Anybody, you know, who chased after customers by using price only changed ownership. I think the industry has probably learned that while you might get a bit of cash flow, um, it does damage your brand and it does damage your business long term. And uh, those businesses that did that as a model tended to, to fail and to get snapped up by um, opportunistic investors over the you know, 2011, 2012. And when you reopen, Des, will the spa be open? We're again, we're waiting for guidelines on that. My understanding is that it's going to be not, it's going to be six weeks rather than three weeks before we get the spa open. But uh, we're, we're waiting for clarification on that at the moment. Right. And they have suggested no touch treatments where possible. Is that is that viable? Again, viable we had guidelines yesterday. 
the uncertainty again here is is difficult. So the conversation yesterday was around shortened treatments and that, you know, so massages, okay, facials, maybe not so okay. Uh, We have a couple of water treatments and treatments that would have less touch, but very difficult. The bread and butter of the spa industry is massage and, you know, there's no way of doing that with no touch. So we would be planning to use, you know, PPE for the therapists, um, but it has to be still a luxurious experience. It's not, it's not going to, you know, it's, it's not a clinical experience. And the therapist giving the massage, did he wear gloves? No, that's, that's not the recommendation at the moment. But right, again, okay. we're, we're, we're looking for detailed clarity in those things. There's, is there any market that's reopened, any country that has reopened over the past number of weeks that we might look to um, for some inspiration as to how we reopen uh, the hospitality industry? We're hearing about from Denmark and Germany and France. I think in France, the, the restriction in restaurants is a maximum of 10 people to a table. And we're talking about 10 people to a restaurant. So, you know, all over Europe, we're seeing other businesses opening and we should be getting the benefit of their experience and how they're, how they're, how it's happening or how it's working for them. My understanding is in Germany, which is one of the first to start loosening up, is that cases are still falling. So that's really, really positive, And I think we give everyone great confidence. What I suppose I'd like to see is a really good testing and tracing system. I'd love to see an app in place. I think that would give customers an awful lot of confidence about, you know, that to know that where they're going, that if there is an outbreak, that it's going to be isolated and dealt with surgically. And I, I'm a bit frustrated that we're this far into it and we still are, you know, we're still talking about an app in a vague kind of a term. And I'd be a bit concerned that GDPR, which seems to be the great reason for not doing anything at the moment in Ireland, is we're being sacrificed at the altar of GDPR, maybe. All right. Okay. JP, is there anything the government uh, should be doing right now, do you think, to help your industry? Uh, like, I, I would concur with Des and about this, this app and this tracing thing. And I think that a lot of the, the I suppose, the, the shortcomings of, of this, uh, we're being, I suppose, sacrificed to this. And it's the same when I talk to restaurateurs in England, that we, we're, we're three months into this and really... I think that we should have some sort of like traceability. Every single person, bar a few, have a smartphone, and we could have an ID on that. There's, there's, there's no problem. I think more dialogue with with the industry, with industry leaders. I mean, I have talked to so many people, uh, media, different chefs and sorts from all over the world, but I haven't talked to any government representative, or, or nor, nor, nor have they rang me. Um, and I'm not saying that I'm an important person. I should be rang, but I think that they should be ringing industry leaders, people who run hotels, restaurants, pubs in their areas to, to reach out to them and say, how do we do this together? Because that, for me, that's my understanding of, of how Denmark have led this. And Denmark, I mean, are, they, 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 cover, they give 90% working uh, costs to their businesses to remain closed and uh, as well as, the, as, as some sort of COVID payment. So, I mean, uh, there are different ways to do things. But when I look to Denmark or Austria, I really feel that they... Um, that they managed this um, better than, than ourselves. And I'm not saying we, 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 we did do a great job, but I think what began as a tragedy has, has, has turned into a farce. Now, I don't know where we stand. I don't know what to do. Um, I think there needs to be some type of uh, VAT reduction or, or zero VAT for a while. Rates, I think, is another thing. I think the industry, the insurance industry also needs to be tackled. They've been tackled in France. Um, we're kind of like somewhere in the middle in terms of our policy. It's neither... It's neither a yes nor a no, but if we wanted to pursue it, 
we need to go to, we need to go to court and that's also cost money so i don't know if we have money to pursue this and also what are we going to get back even if we even if we win um, i think banking as well more could have been done by the banks i think we we bailed out the banks or the irish public bailed them out to the tune of, of billions and what's been offered to the hospitality industry is 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 my new school uh, in relation to that and i think banks could have been a bit more humane in relation to uh, helping businesses. I mean, we're still paying interest on our on our loan that we that we have got a moratorium on. But I mean, I think I think banks could have forsaken that interest and for the sake of three months because it really would have I think would have created a more uh, com- a more communal experience that everybody is going through this. But really, I feel that depending on the size of your premises or or where you are, I mean, everyone is in a different boat, and I don't believe that we're all in the same boat. We're, we're all in very different boats, and we need. To some type of leadership to bring us together. Are you in any way optimistic about the future? Um, I suppose if it doesn't uh, include uh, lots of restaurants, yeah. Um, I um, I don't know. I mean, I still, like I, I said this uh, a while ago, the best case scenario for us is that we, we, two out of three of our restaurants open and the worst case scenario is that one out of three of them open. And I would still at this point say that that's probably the best possible outcome. I am optimistic in relation to the experience of food in Ireland, the experience of, of hotels and uh, um, pubs and, and spa treatment. I think we have we are we are a very high level in Ireland now. We've been working on it for the last ten or fifteen years. So I am optimistic about next year, uh, but for this year, I, I think it's really about survival and it's about how many of us can survive. And I really I don't know whatever way you do the maths, I can't see us all surviving. I just can't see it because we're we're looking at. Even with one meter, 30 to 40 percent capacity, without any tourism, we're looking at 30, 40 percent less. So, so some some businesses are going to go to the wall, and, and it's going to be a very long winter, and, and to wait till next uh, next March or April when the season uh, starts again, and hopefully there is no there is no COVID. Um, but uh, we really need some type of um, some type of app where if because I suppose ultimately it's the planes. I mean, the planes are. Or what brought it into the country, and um, we we need some type of traceability uh, that isn't quarantining people, but that when people come in, that they, they that they register or whatever, really simply, and then if there is an outbreak, we're able to isolate it. Because otherwise, we can do all we can do all the, the best things in the world for our country, and we can get rid of it the like the way New Zealand ha- can. But at the same time, the minute we open up uh, international air travel, there's the possibility that it can come in again, and we need. Uh, tourism in Ireland. We have 10 million, 11 million tourists a year. We need them. We're not big enough to to support ourselves. So and so it's really vital we understand that. And just to be clear, JP, is it a near um that uh, is a near the restaurant that might not open? Yes, it is. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I I feel I need to be honest about this and to be transparent because we we suffer from transparency in Ireland sometimes. And we we have a tendency to say, look, sure, we'll just try. We'll just try and we'll open and hope for the best. But I'm I'm too long in the business now to hope for the best. And I, I know the figures in the near. I know what our market is. It is 70% American tourists. That is our model. Um, and it can that survive? I don't know. Um, and I, I I I hope it can. But at the same time, we 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 need to reopen. And I will be focusing on Cav and Tartar first, and then we'll see what what we can get to. And it's it's and it's not to say it's because it's a Mission Star restaurant. It's fine dining. Uh, like Damien Gray with Leah in in Dublin, he has one restaurant and that's his focus. And he's going to do takeaway, and also he's uh, he's going to um, uh, reduce the the seating capacity. So it's it's because we have three restaurants. It's not only because of uh, of that, but I really feel we have to uh, 
uh, pool our resources and, and try and, and focus on what we can do as opposed to try and do everything and then possibly end up with nothing. Des, I'll, I'll give you the last word. A similar question. Are you optimistic for the future? I mean, this, this year, I guess, is a bit of a write-off at this stage. But um, are you optimistic about the future for, for next year? I'd be cautious about next year. You know, I suppose in business, you have to be optimistic. You, you know, to keep going, you got to, you, you know, you've got to put the bright side out and, and, and uh, it, it's in our natures. But I would be concerned that Brexit has kind of, which should be big news, has gone to the back boiler. Talks haven't gone well. So we could be opening up next year, you know, if we do have a vaccine, if people are willing to travel, but we could still be after losing it. Our, you know, our biggest market is the UK, or certainly have a lot of difficulty with, with that market. So I would love to see us back to where we were starting off 2020 with, you know, even 2019, but um, it, it I would be cautious about it. I, that, that said, you know, the response from our guests is brilliant. Um, the support from our customers is fantastic. As JP said, like the, the, the product in Ireland is is really outstanding. You know, in terms of quality now and, and variety, it's a really, you know, something to be really proud of in Ireland. Um and that's going to stand to us. You know, I think quality is better than price. Michael O'Leary mightn't agree with me, but um, you know, it quality gives you a good chance to succeed in Ireland. I don't think we're ever going to be a cheap destination. I don't think it's that model is it can work for us you know we've got a much higher base costs we're you know so uh and i, and I i'm a great fan of michael O'Leary, and he, get, he brings an awful lot of tourists to ireland and um, but i think uh chasing prices and probably how we're going to get through this i would hope the the quality that we've invested in over the last 10 or 15 years is what will uh, bring us through okay well desert out and jp man we wish you success on reopening and maybe we'll check in with you later in the year to see how you're getting on uh, thank you for joining the show thank you, thank you very much now, just before we go, I'd like to flag that the Irish Times Innovation Awards kick off this week. Entries are open to all sole traders, startups or multinationals who brought their bright idea to market within the past 18 months. And with many firms innovating to meet the challenges of COVID-19, there's clearly a lot of smart thinking out there. And as entries are free, there are no excuses not to apply. Full details are on the Irish Times website and at irishtimes.com forward slash innovation. And good luck to all those who enter. Uh, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to JP McMahon and Des O'Dowd. Thanks also to our sponsor, Davy Group, for its continued support. Suzanne Brennan produced the show with JJ Vernon on sound. Remember, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our Business Today email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care and stay safe.